Welcome to Inspiring You Show, everyone. I'm Henry, and an energy healer and meditation teacher. So today we're going to be doing something a little bit different than my previous episodes. In college, I studied philosophy, and I remembered when I read this quote by Socrates in Apology by Plato, the unexamined life is not worth living. The unexamined life is not worth living. I felt a kinship to philosophy and a knowingness of this is part of my life path to reflect, ponder, to peel the layers from the human, to find the hidden gem of finding who I truly am. So moving forward on this podcast, we will have episodes being called to unpack, process the unexamined life, to give us an opportunity to use tools to possibly heal. And to support this, I'll be inviting experts to workshop this with me. So first of all, what a week, my friends. There has been a lot swirling in the air this week, much to unpack, process, reflect about. And there has been a lot to listen to, a lot that we've been seeing as well in terms of images, so much to unprocess, so much to process and to understand. And when a lot of noise like this feels really thick and dense in the air and it feels like it's almost helicoptering around, I've learned that it's often wise to take a breath or two and be in a mindful pause. I, dilig I really diligently keep in practice while processing and then I wait to see how I'm feeling at the end of the week. I remind my human again and again and again that waiting sometimes is beneficial. So, like many, my week started with the Academy Awards on Sunday. I am, truthfully, not much of an award, award watcher. I feel kind of, I, I feel kind of over how it's basically this gathering of multimillionaires giving each other awards to boost business so they can make even more money. Mm -hmm. And I say that out of discernment, not out of judgment. And it's really done on this public forum for the rest of the non-millionaires, non-millionaires, if you will, and it feels like this fawning over. And I do generally, I mean this in discernment, um, and something just doesn't, hasn't felt good about it for me in many years. Yet, my friends, I love movies and TV shows. Like, I am an avid movie watcher and an avid TV show watcher. I don't know if there's anybody out there who's probably more of a lover of TV and film. The magic of being transported into another person's world, if done in a way that invites you in, it allows one to perhaps glimpse and understand another person's joy, pain, and even their experiencing and understanding their trauma from a certain moment in time and where you can possibly temporarily step into another person's shoes to discover life through their eyes and learn how they may have walked through the world and how they got through it. Sometimes I feel it can just open and expand my heart in ways that are just so truly unexpected. And I can sometimes really learn from that and, and gather tools. It's incredible. And I have been really just excited to cheer on for the movie Coda as it was one of those films that just moved me so deeply in my heart. It brought me to tears more than once and it just also took me into a world where I had an opportunity to think in a new way about the challenges of those who are deaf. The film took me inside of a world I didn't even know I needed to go inside, but I did. 
and my heart was profoundly moved by this film. So I was cheering on Sunday for the film and its actors to get their moment. And as we all know by now, everyone ended up not talking about that moment. They didn't talk about CODA winning best film, and I feel like I'm getting a little emotional just talking about it. They didn't talk about CODA winning best film that night by the night's end, nor were they talking about the actor Troy Kotzer, and if I mispronounce your name, I'm sorry, who became the first deaf man to win an Oscar for acting. And we weren't talking about how in the first time in history, three women, Regina Hall, Amy Schumer, and Wanda Sykes shared the stage and hosted the 94th Oscars ceremony. We also weren't talking about a woman winning the best director at the age of 67 or letting the spotlight shine on Venus and Serena Williams' inspiring story or about Questlove winning the best documentary. We weren't talking about Kevin Costner's eloquent, inspiring speech about the power of a film to move a mind in life. And we weren't talking about Lady Gaga's amazing, beautiful, sensitive and moment with Liza Minnelli on stage. The moment when Lady Gaga said to Liza, I've got you. When she lost her place with the words was one of the most caring, meta, loving, kind moments that I witnessed and saw on live TV. Just truly loving kindness and mindfulness just in practice for all of us to bear witness to, and it was so quiet and profound. Yet no one was talking about any of those historical moments. Instead, it was about how Will Smith shocked the world on Sunday night when he slapped Chris Rock in the face during the Academy Awards. It began, as, began with a joke, Chris referring to Jada Pinkett Smith's bald head, the comedian said, Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane, too, can't wait to see it. Reportedly, unbeknownst to Chris, Jada has al alopecia, and she's been open about how her hair loss has affected her confidence since her diagnosis in 2018. Will was seen smiling when Chris first dropped the joke. Meanwhile, Jada was visibly unimpressed as she rolled her eyes and remained poker-faced. Will then got out of his seat and went to the stage after Chris made the joke and he then hit Chris and completely stunned himself probably Chris and the whole audience and Chris then said oh wow 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 Will Smith just smacked excuse my French the shit out of me and after returning his seat Will then yelled keep my wife's name out of your mouth um and that's how it played out for us to see and um chris then was responding like i'm going to okay and then from there we have a lot to unpack um after handing out the award and leaving stage uh chris was then not filmed again that evening and meanwhile, Will went on to receive the standing ovation when he won his first Oscar for his role in, in King Richard. So friends, just even as I'm talking about this, like I can feel that there's just, I, I have unresolved trauma and I feel just heartache and I feel sadness and there's a lot to unpack. And all of this gave way to a lot coming up this week, a lot of talking, um, a lot of point of views, a lot of arguing, a lot of taking sides. It gave way to comments like, you don't understand, back off. It, and then it went like, he was wrong, he was right, he's wounded, 
um, you know, she should have done something or somebody, people saying like, I'd want my guy to do that. And, and some people saying, what is going to happen now? Like it was a tremendous amount at once. And by, I think by Tuesday, the only thing I knew for sure was that there was a lot of pain and trauma energy swirling around. And this was all for individual and in the collective, along with so much more, the ongoing pain and trauma you know, in Ukraine, um, from post-COVID life, from the pain and trauma, from life in general. And I'll admit that there are moments when I don't even know what I'm feeling or if I wanna feel what I feel, yet I also don't want to not feel it either, if that makes any sense. So we are on this life road with a winding path that really can just ebb and flow, turn a corner, go up a hill or glide, or sometimes it can feel like a roller coaster. All of us, I don't care who you are or where you came from, I have learned that everyone has something that may be healing, masking, or placing in armor. Things happen in our lives that impact how we love, who we love, our life experiences can possibly impact how we handle our triggers, how we handle disruptions, how we handle and, and deal with our fear, anxiety, anger, sadness, grief, power. We may never really understand what made Will Smith get up during a live broadcast from his seat to interrupt a show to react in such a way in terms of bringing that aspect to a head if you will and then with Will Smith there are there are things written out about he has written that upon watching his father abuse his, abuse his mother watching about getting watching his mother get knocked down and doing nothing witnessing that Will Smith has said that has made him feel like a coward in his whole life. And Chris Rock, who by the week's end has said he was still processing what happened on stage, also spoke about his own um, challenges, his own, his own, I think he was bullied, his own um, anger. He's spoken about how um, when he was young, um, his anger did, it scared him and how he worked on it since then to find a new way to express himself without losing control. Um, but he has spoke about being hurt in the past. And so these two men are hardly the first to look within to try and make sense of their early childhood experiences and how those experiences can potentially impact the person that they are today. And I feel each of us owes it to ourselves and those we love to do the hard introspective work of understanding ourselves, our triggers, our pains, our joys, our anger, our sadness, our fears, our <laughs> happiness, our groundedness, what makes us tick, what brings out the best in us, what brings out the worst in us. And in the words of Socrates, the unexamined life for a human is not worth living. And the unexamined life means people in terms of just really taking moments then to want to examine your life, to question it, and to want to understand the truth, and to want to understand who you really are, and not in a bad or a good way, but just so that you have freedom to be able to live your life in groundedness, alignment, happiness, joy, and abundance, and to be free to love yourself and others in a way that just feels really good in your heart and to be in that autonomous space in terms of your sovereignty. And I know, um, you know, it can be challenging, um, but for me, the unexamined life is not worth living. It, it's like, I have found that that 
motivates me and has helped me throughout my life because I have found that it supports me to be really true to myself and it's brought more freedom and joy and love to not only myself but also to my family. And I'll also share that um, the author who worked with Will Smith on his memoir, Mark Manson, he pointed out this week, idealizing another person, assuming they must not have any problems because you love them, almost always leads to disappointment. In relationship, there's a name for this. He then says codependency. Codependency pretty much always leads to dysfunctional relationships and heartbreak, yet people do this with celebrities they love all the time. And he that's the end of quote, but I mean, honestly, we can do it in our own personal life. I've been there, done that. And so by the end of the week, Will Smith did write that his behavior was unacceptable, out of line and inexcusable. He resigned from the academy and acknowledged that this list of those he hurt is long and he wrote that violence is never acceptable. So I will say praise be to that and yes, violence is never acceptable. The challenge is that we have these wounds and these these hearts. So nor is it acceptable to watch it unfold and then stand, I will also say, to applaud the person who did it. I don't care. I know that people are saying that you can separate the two. It's really confusing and challenging because I don't understand how you can separate out the two when that traumatic event happened. And I, the questions I have, which I'm hoping that I can discuss them with the person that we have on, um, you know, does it conflate the, in terms of the audience um, clapping and, and giving a standing ovation, does it conflate the violence with love? Is that a dangerous territory? And I will also just connect this to women because I have seen and read stories of how women have done this and I've seen the stats that women have done this and it, and, and, and it has cost some of them their lives. So, you know, in terms of what has happened on the Oscar stage, in terms of the trauma, it's not just the, the trauma, trauma that people experience in the room, but it's also the whole audience of everybody watching it. So many are doing what Chris Rock is doing as well as Will Smith, trying to process what's happened, what it meant, what it means to, a, to, to us in terms of the larger aspect. And, and one thing is for sure, um, you know, what's really worth us all going inward is to really try to understand our own aspect, our own confusion, our own sadness, our own anger, our own triggers, our own unresolved pain, our own personal responsibility to deal with not only this the best of our ability, but also moving forward. I will say also, I found it interesting that Quest Love, who won the documentary Oscar that Chris Rock was announcing, he says that he missed the whole thing because he was meditating. He was literally, in another world, silent one that um, depicted in CODA, the movie CODA, and it took him, it took um, Questlove away from the chaos and, and remembering that sometimes the best way to deal with what everyone is saying or, or yelling about or, or talking about is to really go within, to find the quietness within. So that's where you can find your own center. And having grown up with a lot of chaos myself. I have found energy healing, meditation, and therapy to be really incredible gifts and tools helping me make sense of my own human life and also learning tools to handle the present mm -hmm. and moving forward in the future of what's getting thrown at me on a daily basis with more grace, equanimity, mindfulness, and steadiness. And so at this moment, life is throwing a lot on everyone's plate and there really isn't a 
roadmap per se for how to handle it because no one has truly been here before because we're in the present moment. For me, having tools like Reiki, dowsing, mindfulness strategies, meditation is helpful. With that being said, today I would like to offer support to everyone or anyone who's unpacking what happened last Sunday at the Oscars with an incredible therapist, Stephanie Kinlock. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you so much for wanting to be here with us to unpack it. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I loved everything you said. Um, I was getting emotional too, just recount having you recount the events. Um, but I love the perspective that you just that you've put on it. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really took um, much time meditating this week to come to find the center. So before we get started, I'd love you to just tell everyone who you are and what your background is. Um, so I am a psychotherapist here in Los Angeles. I have had my private practice for about 14 years, and I work with individuals, families, kids, adolescents, and um, a specialty of mine is a trauma um, approach therapy called eye movement desensitization reprocessing. So um, I work with a lot of trauma. So then how would you describe trauma? What's a definition for it so people to understand? Because oftentimes I feel like you may not even know what you're moving through or have a word for it. It's interesting because I was thinking about that. Um, trauma is is a word that's been used a lot in the last years, few years. And I, I do hear people say that that's not traumatic or why would that be traumatic? And I think we've really expanded our um, understanding of what trauma is. It's, it can it be very specific to that person. So um, in the work that I do there, we call them um, certain times of trauma can be big trauma or little traumas. So it's anything that affects somebody intensely. It could be a teacher saying something to a kid that another kid wouldn't even think anything of it. But because of that kid's makeup and history, it was traumatic. So it's all about the response. Um, and if you're continuing to have a reaction to whatever event it was, that's when it's obviously having a, a negative effect on the person. And um, regardless of, of, of what it is, it, it could be, you know, that being said, something like what Chris Rock, the joke that Chris Rock said, I've heard also that it wasn't even an intent, you know, a joke that was very offensive. Some people thought it really depends on who's hearing it. So then in that moment, then as a therapist, how would you, how would you describe what you saw? It's funny. I actually didn't watch it live. I, I got to the, um, I actually turned on the TV when Will Smith was getting his award. So I saw it later. Um, how would I describe what happened? I was as shocked as everyone else, uncomfortable, um, confused. And from what I've heard from other people, and especially the people that were in the room that we've heard speaking um, about this, it sounds like you know, everyone had a, a kind of different reaction, except people were shocked and confused, not knowing if it was actually part of the skit. Um, then it became very clear afterwards that or when Will Smith um, 
was yelling from his from his uh, seat uh, that it wasn't a joke or part of the skit. And I so, think you bring up something really interesting. Um, you know, m many of us have watched the um, Academy Awards year after year, and so there is a formula to it, and mm -hmm. there's skits done, and there's jokes made. And so it was, it was that moment where, you know, you are a therapist of 14 years. And so you're trying to discern what's real and what's not. You mm -hmm. felt confused. You felt shocked. And I just want to, I just want to really highlight this because I think sometimes people think that because you have tools or experience or expertise that then you're not going to have the very human moment of like, what is happening here? Right. That right. you're not going to experience shock. Just because you have like you you may have meditated for 20 years or you're you're this amazing like therapist it doesn't mean like in the present moment you're also experiencing like the shocking aspect of something that you've never seen before mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you're trying to discern what's real what's not i'm confused is this a part of the skit is this mm -hmm. something that the the award show's doing that's an interesting producing choice or wait <laughs> Oh, wait, no, wait, that's real because he's now yelling from his seat and he's unmiked. And you're catching up like, what is happening here? It was and unpredictable behavior. You know, we can kind of, to, to your point, like, yeah, we typically watch the, the show and we know what's going to happen. And um, there's going to be crying. There's going to be, <laughs> there's going to be, you know, happy tears and, and jokes and all of that. Um, but yeah, that this was, you felt it. You, it, you, I felt it in my body. And I think that also comes from my history and what I've experienced, but, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was, I watched it over and over and over again to kind of see how these, you know, these people, these human people, each one of them were responding to something that was um, not planned. <laughs> and, and that's, and that's, in, that, that's in that present moment of the trigger, which you're what you're talking about with the trauma and with trauma, it triggers happening. It, it's not planned. Right. It, it's uh, happening. You, uh, like you said, you are responding to something that feels essentially unsafe or right. feels or, yeah, you're uh, under it, threat. You're under, you're under threat. threat, right? Yeah. Is it the fight, flight, freeze? Is that fight, flight, freeze um, is typically what the the three responses that people have. So um, and you can you can kind of hear when people are talking about it, which one they were in, you know, there was certain people that were like, I would have done the same thing as well, you know, that, and then other people still in shock, you know? So that would be, so like, you could even look at it like with, well, he went into, you know, fight. he had a moment, he went into fight, he triggered into fight. Mm -hmm. And then with Chris Rock, it was freeze. Maybe was he in the freeze? It seemed the like there was a little bit of freezing, but whoa, was he, did he, the show went on. I mean, he was able to continue it. There was a disassociation moment. It seemed, it appeared to, to be when he was being yelled at and then kind of fumbled a little bit over um, uh, the award announcing the documentary award, really having to get back into his body. You know, and that's what and, and I feel like with Jada, it's almost like she was like because she had a moment on her face where you could kind of see she froze. Mm -hmm. And in that way, it's like these three aspects of like mm -hmm. trauma, fight, flight, freeze, which 
we're just, I mean, there's so much going on. We're coming out of a pandemic. There's, you know, and also we have not been in these large spaces together like this in, in a long time without masks, without like literally without masks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's and so much is unprocessed. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in that moment, we're just at the crossroads of like, just seeing our journey of trauma from like from all vantage points yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about that too. Just how, you know, okay, now let's just continue life as normal, but it, it has, we have all gone through so much in, in such different ways, but there isn't a person on this planet that hasn't experienced tremendous, you know, uh, uncertainty in the last couple of years and change and, and suffering. And so to, to continue, um, uh, like with this award show as it was before, have, did we not have two, uh, award shows in the last two years? Did they cancel them? I can't remember. Um, I think it's been modified how they've been doing them. Got it. I don't, I don't think it has been quite in this way. And, um, I think also now that like, well, at least in, in LA, in terms of our mask mandate has changed. Right. Uh, it just felt like, I just felt like they're trying to, it's like, push. I don't know. Like, the, yeah, like nothing happened in the last couple of years and we're just, oh, look, we're back. Yeah, that's exactly. Like, and yeah. I feel like that's kind of part of the challenge is that we, we just, something happens big in our society and we don't really take the time to process it as individuals maybe, or maybe some of us do. But then we're not also processing it as a collective like this happened to all of us together and in some ways I, I think that for me it was i was like wait where is the care and the compassion for all of us and i will even say yeah. you know i don't particularly enjoy some of the sense of humor and i feel like i'm just gonna get really sad it makes me sad it just makes me sad when people's feelings are hurt through because you just don't know how they like they feel about, you know, having something if they're not if and I don't know how even when you have a disease that 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 doesn't that warrants that type of humor. I don't know. And um and then I think I just think that you just tend to need more care and compassion. Yeah. Um I don't even have the words to say cuz it just I don't really like that type of humor. I do know though that it's being an executive producer from reality TV for years, you know, it, it's like there's a job that, you know, Chris Rock was doing. And, you know, he may not have understood in terms of all, like, you know, the the understanding of what could be happening in their world. And maybe then in the last couple of years, you know, Jada has just been going through really difficulties with, you know, right. how she feels about it. She's also a woman who has been, um, you know, she's on in TV and film. And so her hair has been, um, you know, a, a big part of it. And so how does that feel then when you're aging, right? Also, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that factor in and then being a woman, how does that feel? And so I feel like sometimes there's just there is insensitivity towards some of the humor and, and how do we for me is like, how do we make things more mindful in terms of humor yeah. that we're bring we're inviting people in with the jokes that we all have an opportunity to laugh with each other and not at each other. 
you know, with with the cancel culture and uh, what that has had the effect that's had on um, a lot of people in front of the camera. Um, I feel like there there could have been an opportunity if there wasn't this reaction from Will, it would have been, the burden would have been on Chris Rock to apologize, right? To, for what he said. And I don't know um, if he knew or didn't know. I, I heard that he didn't know. And this was not a written joke on the teleprompter. It was one that he just off the cuff made. Um, so hoping that it wasn't an intentional making fun of somebody with a disease. Um, and it was just a joke about her haircut. Um, it still would have been not okay, but there could have been an opportunity to shed light on, on, on that. What just what you said, the alopecia, and and and. Um, but instead, with the reaction that that and the actions that Will took, it became that just got kind of lost. Um, yeah, lost in the whole thing. A lot of things got lost because a of a lot that. of messaging. Yeah, a lot of it got lost. And I would say then, you know, with that, like, you know, Russell Brand said in one of his recent YouTube videos that you actually sent to me. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, if we want to understand this, if we want to understand this as compassionate human beings, we should for a moment place ourselves at the vantage point or in the position of each of the free protagonists. How would you feel if you were? And someone said something, if something, if someone said something offensive and sensitive about your partner, likely, how would you feel? Would you feel angry? Would you be motive, feel motivated to action? And I think, you know, it's, it's interesting that he, you know, with that, it was actually having me reflect upon mindfulness and the compassionate approach. Mm -hmm. So how would it, so first of all, as an executive producer, former executive producer in reality TV, I feel at the end of my days in television, I had an experience, which I did share with you, where the executive producer was in a rage and I walked into the situation and I saw producers crying everywhere. There was an on-camera therapist and an off-camera therapist present in the room, as well as network execs. No one actually did anything to stop the carnage of the trauma unfolding to help the executive producer, who was obviously she needed help mm -hmm. and then nobody stopped to help the producers like there was such an un, like there was so much going on and so as i saw this i was like wow um this brought back my trauma from working in television and how yes it's maybe entertainment mm -hmm. the reality is though we are people first and yeah. i feel that um, and I know the therapists were there to do a job for the show, yet why are we not actually making humanity our number one, um, first and foremost, most important? That if somebody somebody's being hurt, that we're not actually stepping in to help the people. The executive producer needed help and so did the producers. And then I looked at the Academy Awards and I was like, wow, I really wish that um, what I hope for the change in terms of entertainment is that there's more of a mandate that they're having mental health therapists, that there are, you know, you know, mental and emotional practitioners that are there as experts to support people. Because what I feel would have been really supportive is that if the academy would have come out and said, "I'm really sorry, you know, Chris, we're going to get you help." Will, we're going to get you help. 
and have a mental health expert come out and say like, everyone, um, this is what's happening right now. You're watching some, you know, some trauma unfold and it right. has been a really difficult time for all of us. Uh, we're all coming out of pandemic. There has just been a lot of hurt processing and we're just gonna take a moment and we're gonna, um, you know, we'll be right back. Like they can go to commercial, yeah. come back. Yeah, that would have been amazing. And I think we're getting, hopefully something like this will help us get there where I was thinking the same thing, especially when you were um, speaking about quest love. I didn't know that, that he was meditating. Um, uh, but you know, he, if somebody, it, it, not even like a producer, but anybody just acknowledging up there, what had just happened because the not acknowledging it is also very, um, it could be very traumatizing and really negative effects on people when you're not, when the reality of what's happening in front of you is not recognized, it's, um, it's confusing and that it got swept. It felt like it just got swept away, even though people were talking about it after the show went on, you know, so it just, I think everybody kind of got in line and continued as they were supposed to. And you, you see that. In well, that's interesting that continuing as you're supposed to like, oh, you're just, you know, in, in production, there's like a rundown and it's like, okay, let's just check it off to the next category. And we just, we just sweep that under the rug. Like we just all went through something. Yo, yeah. <laughs> we need to unpack it now and not two years when you make the movie about it. Like, right. Like right. this is real life. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, Will, take a minute. Chris, you okay? You know, let's like call this what it is. It would have just went straight to the core, you know, and uh, you know, it, it, it's like in families, you know, there is this um, way that we, the roles that we all take on. And um, even when there's um, a lot of dysfunction, you still are, you still have a certain unspoken usually roles that you that you take on and that's why I think a lot of people were affected by this because it kind of it, it reminded me of that especially children in families the ones that don't have a lot of the control or the power and their Which that goes into the um um you know I think we were talking about this like how you see yourself in terms of the filter how you mm -hmm. see yourself might be a result of what your personal experiences are from childhood or even in terms yeah. of your adult life through cultural racial social alliances so how can you explain that further in terms of the filters because I feel like some of the biases and the filters that were happening this week also was from that reactionary thing because right. we didn't identify it as everyone like there's trauma like that will has trauma jada has trying to uh chris has trauma like and everybody was reacting possibly based on their own hurt right filter right right the person um who has been bullied you know like on on both ends i guess you know you can see uh you spoke about Will and what he's written in his book. And um, I don't know much about his history or Chris's, but, um, but I think, yeah, instead of um, coming from a place of really trying to see your own biases 
and your um and your own reaction to a situation understanding what those are and and then having compassion and understanding for everyone else's and of course violence is wrong absolutely he crossed a line um but we won't be able to really examine ourselves and move into a better, more healthy place as, as people. And if we can't really have that compassion for ourselves and also, you know, for everyone at play and um, hopefully that's what can come of this. Hopefully, you know, that is. And what's interesting is you said something about uh, at play and then also talking about the roles and mm -hmm. the metaphor of, uh, is maybe metaphor yeah the yeah. fact that we're talking about the academy academy awards and movies they're all roles and stories yeah yeah they're all stories that have invited us uh, invited us in to step into to put our feet in somebody else's shoes to understand their experience mm -hmm. so what i don't want is like y'all let's not disconnect from real life because if we all love tv and movies and we're all allowing ourselves to be invited in to experience other people's lives and and find you know compassion, mindfulness, humor, inspiration, or difficulties, or seeing the trauma and bear witnessing to it. Then yeah. let's like I want to encourage people to stop disconnecting from their own real life. TV and films can really support us in ways because it can awake i feel like sometimes i awaken more like oh yeah. i see it i can identify something in myself but yeah. let's not then wait three years for a movie to come out on this like right. y'all let's start using the tools to support ourselves as not only healthier individuals but also as a collective society yeah so in your experience like what is like the the like one first of all like with in watching it from your viewpoint as a therapist, like what would you say that um, some of the tools that could support just Will, Jada and Chris? In that moment or now? In that now? moment and then after. I mean, they're probably, they probably had to process it or they're still processing it. Um, what can really support in terms of the healing? And anybody who recognized themselves in one of those, let's just say roles per se, right? Mm -hmm. um, in one of those roles of fight, flight, or freeze, or if you could identify in some way or seeing some filter, what could really support somebody and help them out in terms of the processing and the healing? Yeah, hopefully they all do have some support, some, some you know, if it's mental health support or, you know, I'm, and I'm sure they, they all do and are willing to, um, to start doing that even deeper, but I, in that moment, I, I don't know what could have been. That was a chaotic moment. I don't think any, it, it, yeah, having somebody kind of just say this just happened and that's awful and not made another joke about it and not tried to, you know, that whole keep going, keep going, brush it under the rug. Just um, having somebody say, this is, that was heavy. And, you know, so that would have been helpful if somebody would have come right into the live moment and said, absolutely, that was heavy. absolutely. And if you could think back to any, I mean, just any childhood memory of where if there's a familiar, like whatever you were feeling when you were watching it, 
it just, it, where in your life did you have that same reaction? And usually it's going to be an uncomfortable situation. And whatever those moments were, if, if you had somebody to just say actually what was going on in that moment, that, that could have really helped. It can't change obviously what happened. What happened was, um, was, was wrong on many different levels. So we can't erase it, but the support would be to call it what it is. And, um, in, in, in not a judging, blaming way necessary, necessarily, um, but but the the not recognizing that it was so uncomfortable and confusing and shocking is is um, just adds to the unconsciousness of society that we just keep going. I mean, the parties went on afterwards. Everybody was dancing together. That also, I was just like, this is fascinating. That this um, does that potentially extend the trauma? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely can. As and far then, when we're when we're sweeping things underneath the the carpet per se, the rug like that, what is the the potential then for further damaging uh, like one psyche? Well, uh, it's it's like a secondary react, uh, you know, effect, negative effect, because not only did, did some, but something happen, but then the react, the reaction or the lack of support is also sometimes more, um, impactful and negative. Why is it more impactful? Because it's not, it's like not a recognizing of, of what somebody went through because we can all get through things typically, but this, if you don't have the support and the acknowledgement of, of that in some way, it, you feel alone, you know, you feel really alone in that. And, and, and you, that I just feel, oh gosh. And coming through the pandemic where so many people have felt alone and isolated, I just feel, I just felt like a wave of just just the heartbreak of that even more so from this experience. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. I think also what you're saying, it's, it's kind of making me ponder about how we then in some ways, you know, as everybody was so many people were asking me like what I thought this week and I just kept saying it's trauma, it's trauma. And, you know, and, and they would, and I had people say going, what? I'm like, it's, it's trauma. Mm -hmm. And, one of the reasons why I think now is because um, I really wanted to stay focused on the compassion and the care for everyone in this situation and not make it about blaming or pointing fingers or also isolating any of them. I didn't want to isolate Chris Rock or isolate Will Smith or isolate Jada. I didn't want to put anyone in like victim or violator category. Mm -hmm. I wanted to really just from the humanity aspect of looking at it from compassionate care that, wow, here are some people that are hurt, man. Like people are hurt. Mm -hmm. People are hurt. People are sad. People are just tired and hurt and they do not know what to do with with all these feelings that are coming up and we just saw it on display and I don't want to put anybody in one category 
because yeah. how do we stay in compassionate care and how do we help not only the individual and the collective and how do we move move in a move positive forward, forward because and, and in a progressive yeah. healthy way and these are these are uh, adults and these are very high functioning <laughs> adults and i'm i because i work with so many kids i can't help but mention that our kids are suffering our kids are suffering so much and and to have that compassion and understanding for the behaviors that we're seeing that are not typical coming out of this um we i hope that it can also shine a light on if uh, if adults very you know the tip of the top the one percenters are 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 exhibiting this behavior signs of trauma signs of trauma signs of just just reaction unconscious uh, behavior i think our kids are doing that too and they're our future you know and i think too you know in our society specifically in the us i think that sometimes there's such a focus on you know success and wow you're you know that person's a millionaire or, oh my god they're like the top one percenter that doesn't mean that they're living this happily ever after mm -hmm. and i really feel like like this was like an opening in where just yeah. because you're successful and you're high functioning in some ways, it doesn't mean that you're living your happily ever after and you feel really great. Because as we've seen in the last few years, there's been many people um, that have on paper or through social media have been living this like grandiose, beautiful life. And I'll just say like Anthony Bourdain, who, yeah. you know, some years ago, um, you know, took his own life and it was very shocking to 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 you know many of us yeah and i loved his books i loved his work and it was like then this person's gone and and so i feel like that was like the opening in where y'all friends we gotta look we gotta start taking the filter off and looking at this differently not only for the adults but for the children yeah, like looking at how we're talking about success, looking at how we're modeling behavior. And I also just want to take a moment where you um, you mentioned what trauma is and just kind of define it a little bit more from the APA. Trauma is an emotional response to an event. And it can be something like you said, Stephanie, it could be something really just where somebody said something and and they didn't they didn't they don't know what somebody else has gone through. Mm -hmm. And so there was an immediate, like some kind of, like you talked about fight, flight or freeze response. And immediately after the event, the shock and the denial can be typical. Longer term reactions include unpredictable emotions, flashbacks, strained relationships, even physical symptoms like headaches or nausea. Mm -hmm. While all these feelings are normal, some people have difficulty moving on with their lives. And as you mentioned, you know, you know, therapists can really help individuals find constructive ways to manage their emotions and tools to support them to move forward. And what's interesting is this week in my client sessions, a lot of people came in with headaches and nausea. Oh, wow. And and I was like, oh, and then I, I'd ask each one of them, did you watch the Academy Awards? And mm -hmm. they all said yes. And then 
they were having flashbacks to something that happened mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to their childhood. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is so much bigger than we even understand. Even bigger than I even understand. I just started connecting the, the dots to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so something else that you you were talking about and alluding to is the processing and processing really out loud via social media, which I think it comes to we we need we do need to process yeah right. how do we do this in a way that's constructive as you're saying not only for the adults but for the children because the children are listening and learning and they're, they're these little sponges that yeah. are like they're just taking everything in so how do we how do we how, what are some tools that could support us oh, it all it all depends on how, uh, how what your reaction was to it like so um with some of your clients and I had clients as well that had strong, strong reactions to it. And again, it's, it's usually because it's connected to something in their past where they had a, um, a similar, it doesn't mean that the events were similar necessarily, but a similar reaction. So when we experience um, a trauma, our, our brains, it's, it's something that we haven't experienced usually um, or weren't, prepared for. And so our brains in order to protect us in that moment, kind of do the fight flight or freeze thing to, to protect us. But what doesn't happen and what people need to um, typically get help with is it doesn't completely process the event and it doesn't kind of file it away in our long-term memory and it stays in our short-term memory. And it, so what there's lots of different, um, trauma modalities, the, the EMDR that I mentioned in the beginning, what I do is um, helps reprocess that event so that it can get filed away properly. Like what we do when we dream, we're processing things that have happened to us in our lives during our REM sleep and our brains are naturally filing it away. Again, it's not erasing it. It's not saying it didn't happen. It's just putting it in a part of our brains where we're not being activated all the time. And because that's what then causes all sorts of, you know, other anxiety, depression, and aggression, and all this stuff, if, if we're living with that unprocessed trauma. So it all depends on their, what their, um, what they're showing, you know, and, and if they need to reprocess it because it is bringing up things that might've happened um, previously. And sometimes people aren't even aware of why am I reacting like that? And that's okay too. That's okay. You can still process it and then you're getting a different perspective on it. So the, the talking about it is, is helpful to an extent, but you, you really do need, if it, if you're, if you've been affected in a way where it, it does look like um, either PTSD or, or severe trauma. Um, typically, you'll need a professional to to help you process that. So you brought up PTSD. What? How would you define PTSD? It stands for post traumatic stress disorder, and it's it's basically the, this. It's it's not experiencing something negative um, and not having fully processed it. And so you're being uh, activated it throughout the day in, a, in negative ways. Sometimes that does come through with, with flashbacks. Sometimes there's memory loss 
you know, um, a lot of time, uh, also really not being in your body a lot of times and people can't, people don't understand really what's going on. They don't understand why they're having these reactions. And so that also is a big clue. Okay. There's something here. Um, and you, you know, sometimes again, you don't know what it is. Sometimes you don't. So with, so I had work PTSD and what happened to me in that experience that I mentioned earlier was I walked into a situation, I was just coming into work and I was going to check in to let the EP know that the executive producer know that I was there for the day. And she was having a moment where um, she was in full, it was full meltdown. She hadn't slept in three days, exhausted, tired, something triggered in her, some kind of trauma triggered in her. Mm -hmm. And then from there was everybody else was then in the experience. So when I went up to her, um, she turned to me and started screaming at me. I completely disassociated. And I remember like, I'm disassociating. And because I've done so much meditation, I was like, I'm disassociating. I'm actually disembodied. So it was like that. I'm actually disembodied. And I was like, in the observer mode, I'm like, oh, she's actually legitimately sounding like Charlie Brown's teacher to me. The wah, 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 wah. And I was like, I can't understand what she's saying. And it was so like profoundly confusing yeah. and scary. It was really scary because I didn't know like, how do I get my hearing back? How do I, right. uh, um, and I was like, in, I was like, oh God. And then I, since I do a lot of meditation and, and you know, connecting with my guides, one of my, my higher self came in immediately was like, turn around and go to the bathroom now and just mm -hmm. repeat these words. And I just all of a sudden blurted out, I need to go to the restroom, <laughs> like really <laughs> awkwardly as I was being yelled at. And her face became really enraged. Like she was mad at me for, for then, which by the way, then she was mad at me for the next two weeks, which that's a whole nother thing. But so as I was turning away, I was like, I was like, oh, I'm so confused. And um, I went and hugged somebody who was crying and I, and I was telling this person, you're gonna be okay. And then I said to them, and I don't remember saying this, which mm -hmm. is you brought up the memory lapses. Mm -hmm. I don't remember saying this. And she told me later on, I said to her, I am done with this. I am done with TV. I'm done with taking this. Mm -hmm. um, this is it, I'm done. I'm no longer, I'm no longer doing this. And, and that was literally the moment that for me, I, I walked away from a career I had for 20 years. Mm. And it was the trauma because every show I was seeing that, that there was just things that were unprocessed and within the system, something was broken. Yeah. And what ended up feeling broken really was me. Yeah. And I also recognized in that moment, when you, when you trigger that hard, it's really difficult to heal in the same place that you trigger. Yes. So in so if I were to go work on more TV shows, mm -hmm. it, it just I couldn't I needed to heal. And the re-embodiment, I did work with a um, PTSD um, therapist and specialist. The re-embodiment took me about a year. Even and I was doing meditation, energy healing, working with a therapist, doing mindfulness strategies. Like some days I was doing like three or four hours of of just like work to figure out like, you know, you were talking about the trigger of the brain and and what happened. Is it the limbic system that gets triggered? Is that the, the, name? Frontal, the, the frontal, frontal, the frontal lobe? Yeah, the front. So it gets triggered and activated from an event. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Triggered and activated from an event. And then from there, it, it's like 
you you then have to have the opportunity to acknowledge the trauma and in acknowledging the trauma you're then processing it and if you don't process the trauma it's still there and then if you come into any other event that's similar like you were saying it can then it can then reactivate it. and that's what i was noticing i had to i had to actually i'll admit i had to do an adult timeout for myself because i felt like when i triggered that hard from the the work ptsd i was not i i i said i wasn't safe for consumption in the outer world because yeah. i i didn't everything just seemed so unsafe to me yeah because i was so disembodied because the trauma oops <laughs> the trauma was so hard Mm -hmm. that that it affected me and what you're saying in terms of not understanding when you're ungrounded and you feel unsafe mm -hmm. and so I just really want like you to if you can speak to it more because um it, I just don't think what you said how people may not understand because they might be in an unconscious and I think that when yeah. you trigger you're in that unconsciousness and then you're in that protective survival mode yeah and and when you said it was it was 20 years and it wasn't like that last experience was the only one there were there were i'm sure hundreds and um you were able to to tolerate but then no after because it builds and builds and builds and um it it that that's kind of like a example of a family, right? A family unit where if you're having that um, experience in your own family unit, especially as a kid, but thank God you can, you made the decision to leave, right? Um, so it is hard, very hard to, to heal when you're still in that environment. Um, yeah, it is, it is very hard. Not that it can't happen on some level, but it, it is, challenging for sure because it's, it's almost and like you said 80 20 years of uh when i my first job in television at 22 yeah. i was um there was abuse there as well i was uh in in i was being um it similarly i was actually being screamed at mm. by a, a a much older producer and that when that now that you're saying it i, I realize like that screaming was when I first came into television at 22. Mm. And so in some ways I had been tolerating this level of, um, this level of just bullying. It was bullying energy, to be honest, bullying energy. And it just got to a point where I had just had pneumonia from working on a television because I worked so much. And it just got to a point where I was like, enough is enough. And that trigger was like all these other all these other just yeah. moments that were just confounded into that one moment where, yeah. wow, this is this. I feel I felt broken, to be honest. I mean, I really mm -hmm. felt broken, which is probably why with looking at Will Smith and and um, and Chris Rock and Jada, I have so much compassion because I understand that level of trauma and that feeling of just when you disembody that from yourself it just is really painful. It's so painful and yeah. then trying to reground and get your footing. And I can't imagine then doing it in a way that is a public forum right? where everybody is bare witnessing to it. And then 
Um, then there might be also like embarrassment, shame. Um, and then also there could be where you're really putting somebody in, in like, you know, categories of victim violator, which then it's like, where's the responsibility? Because also in terms of jokes being made, where's the responsibility? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, no, I think, um, I think everybody sh should take some responsibility, but, but as you were talking, I was thinking my first reaction, I had a very biased reaction when I watched it. I definitely aligned more with, you know, being blaming one person, but then to take a, a minute and kind of evaluate why, you know, where is that coming from me? And then so when you did that, where was that coming from, from you, if you don't mind sharing? I think I was aligning more with Chris being the, his position. And so my compassion really went to him first. And, um, and you know, that's, we are, we're going to do that as humans, right? But if we can then the next step kind of like t take a minute, step back and kind of see why, you know. Um, I think that, do they call that, is it the confirmed bias or something? I'm not sure. I've not heard of that. I think there's a word on it with bias where um, when you're listening to somebody and you're you're able aligning. to take, you're aligning one part of it but not the rest, and it's yeah. it, it, it's from your processing system. It, yeah. And, yeah. And you're not able to hear the rest of it, um, which is interesting yeah. too because it's like, oh, where are my where are my biases? And not that it's it's not right or wrong, good or bad. It's yeah. just no. in this human experience. You know, right. in my work, it's all about the programming, you know, it's like, you know, what has been programmed that's beneficial for you, what's non beneficial, mm -hmm. and then energy healing, can we clear the non beneficial energies, right. and what beneficial energies do you want to call in? Right. And so in terms of it, then you reflecting, because you are human, because even though you have a 14 year um, span of being a therapist, your first role is being a human. You're here to experience people, which means then everyone has the right to process this yeah. in the way that they need to for what they are, which I will also say this week is the new moon. It was the new moon week. The right. new moon is new beginnings, people. So yeah. if you're doing all those new moon rituals, it, you can't separate that out from you watching <laughs> from you watching the Academy Awards. <laughs> Right. As much as you want to compartmentalize and put it in the box like they did. Like, right. Let's move on to the next category. Yeah. Just, the universe doesn't work that way, folks. Right. So it's interesting that you had that recognition first and foremost of like one. Well, first of all, you stayed in compassion energy. You're in compassion energy. Your compassion energy, you noticed it was going towards, you know, Chris. And then once you process your like unconscious aspect of any biases, what was your next step then? Like, what was your next step in your processing for tools? Um, watching it over and over again, I did because I um, wanted to just see what the reactions were again, because it was um, maybe that's not the best thing to do, actually. <laughs> watching it over and over again because you are being kind of re-traumatized as, as I was but I was Were curious you looking at it more from a um, therapist expert and yeah I wanted of, like to understanding the human aspect of it trying to understand yeah trying to understand what was what 
what did Will see? And, and, and we don't, we won't know because we cannot be Will or Jada or Chris, right? So we're all projecting these things onto these people. Um, so yeah, my next was thing was just, yeah, to come from a place of these are all humans just and flawed humans. And let's, you know, again, the divisiveness that happens right away, right away with a lot of people, including myself, including me saying, how could he have done that? You know, and, and again, there is a line I do feel about with, with, you know, with violence, for sure, there should be, and there should be uh, consequences for, uh, for sure. Um, but the, the, how humiliating, you know, that too was something that was pretty strong. Um, and, and then the reactions from everyone else. And um, when you mentioned that, uh, when you're talking about the experience at work, the last one, um, you just said, you know, and by the way, she was mad at me for two weeks. That's a reaction. That's, and that was just really uh, had a huge impact on you, the reaction from the event. Yeah. Well, How- she didn't really talk to me. Like she, she completely changed um, and was completely cold to me. Like she went from talking to me to Mm -hmm. no longer talking to me. Yeah. And then I heard from someone else, they said that she's really mad at you for leaving and go to the bathroom. Well, that's a whole other, we've we've done gaslighting. That's like a whole nother one. I was like, oh, which is, which is also interesting when you get information, like the unpacking of it all. Yeah. Yeah. We, We can't, we, we can only hope that everybody, you know, tr- tries to look at themselves, <sighs> but it's not, that's not always the case, you know? You know, you, you mentioned something about uh, the divisiveness and, and also in terms of even like looking at like, you know, where you are, the role you first are playing in something. And what I think is interesting, um, again, this was the Academy Awards and they're putting out all these movies for us to watch. So what movies are they putting out a lot for us to watch? There seems to be a lot of violence in movies. I don't know if um, some of the movies I I haven't even been able to um, watch that have been recently coming out because I just feel like out of pandemic, I need things that are more inspiring, softer. um, Yes, yes. and so it, it's it's interesting because it's like, well, what are we being taught as a society? Yeah. You know, are we being taught to, you know, really come together um, and support one another, you know, through the ups and downs? Mm-hmm. Um, are we being taught to take sides when when something isn't within one, one within when something isn't in our belief system? Like, I don't believe what you believe, or I don't see what you see. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm here in my camp, and you're in your camp. How do we like? How do we find the transcendent like perspective? like of really the bridge of light to one another. How do we as a society start progressing that it's okay if I have different thoughts and beliefs than you. It doesn't mean though that I can't be in care and compassion and still be in the same room and have a discussion with you. Like how do we how do we progress as a society in this? I, I think we have to um, just walk the walk, you know, be able to do it, be able to tr- have empathy. I mean, talk about 
that's, I mean, affected me, um, the divisiveness through the pandemic and different people's beliefs and choices and non-choices. And, and it, all it does is separates us even more and more. And so really teaching and then doing what we're saying. So hearing another person's story, right? Hearing and, and being open to, to really trying to understand why somebody feels and and chooses different things and decisions than another person or or myself and just really modeling that you know as much as we can and of course we're humans so we're going to have reactions and and feelings come up but you know really being able to to kind of rise above it and have that awareness of of our our reactions where they come from and, and just do better, you know, and really just try to do better every day. And it's hard. And even with that, like then acknowledging, you know, we're here to learn and grow. Like Mm -hmm. as you're watching a child who's learning how to walk, the Mm -hmm. child stumbles, Mm -hmm. right? There's going to be stumbles. And the child then wobbles, gets back up and tries again. Mm-hmm. So can we offer compassion and empathy to ourselves as individuals and as yeah. each other that there are things that might happen and that we may have to like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that that hurt and pain was there so much that the trigger was so hard. Like, yeah, taking the responsibility for self to caretake for self. And then when it warrants, like asking for forgiveness, true forgiveness, like I'm sorry I hurt myself and I'm sorry that if I hurt you. Mm-hmm. I'm actually um, taking um, these mindfulness, nonviolent communication classes. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that, first of all, I think these communication classes, like it, it should be in, you know, in high school. Mm-hmm. I think it is so important to understand. Um, you were talking about empathy and compassion. And one of the things it is, is that you're basically holding a space of empathy and compassion and, and you're listening to someone say like, you know, I feel hurt. And, and then, then you're saying, I'm sorry that you feel hurt. And then what do you think you need? And a lot of times if the person on the other end is hurt, they don't even know what they need. And so then you're helping them in the communication process to find their anchor to groundedness, alignment, and safety, because let's talk about safety. If something has happened that triggered you and then you have been on the other side of that trigger you know say with you know will smith was triggered and then chris rock got triggered so then they're both triggered they're both feeling unsafe probably in different ways Mm -hmm. and what happens then in your your in your thoughts about unsafety when somebody feels unsafety is that what you're talking about in terms of when somebody's unembodied like what does that mean that people some kind of definition that would help people to understand it yeah, you can feel unsafe. It, it is again like a threat to either your physical or emotional self. So any kind of uh, threat, we you know we have we our instinct is to live. <laughs> so we're gonna survival so mode. Survival. So we're gonna um, just it's gonna it's automatic. It's automatic. So I guess one of the goals here is to 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 and this is what meditation does is to try and get a little bit more of a space between as long as you're not actually truly 
being threatened. You want that to be working when you're truly, your life is being threatened. You want to. Yes. If you're in the wilderness <laughs> and a lion is running after you, you want your survival instinct to kick in in a beneficial way. Yeah. Or if you truly feel like somebody is going to, is physically attacking you. Yes. There's, you know, of course, but, but when it's, when it's not that, and uh, then it's being able to just have more space between our, our reactions and, and just more consciousness of what I am experiencing. Cause when you were uh, saying about the interaction between the nonviolent communication and how those, that interaction happens, you know, a lot of people get, when they hear you hurt my feelings, walls go up mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's okay. That's what happens, but have some awareness about that. Oh my gosh. I just, I have, I'm having a wall come up right now and I'm unable to hear you because for whatever reason it is, but just teaching, teaching, there's my Charlie. <laughs> Stephanie's sweet dog. <laughs> um, it's perfect timing for what we're talking about. He's, yeah. he's doing his job in terms of protecting the home. Absolutely. I mean, right on cue. Yep. <laughs> Back to the movies, cue. Cue, cue Charlie the dog protecting the home front. <laughs> There's a threat. <laughs> but it's not really a threat, Charlie. <laughs> Charlie, it's really not. Uh, um, but yeah, te- te- teaching that would be so great to teach. Obviously, adults, we weren't taught that necessarily unless we decided to teach it, take it upon ourselves to learn it. But teaching that modeling and, and having it passed down through the generations and school systems would be amazing and I think so needed. And I think that's where you were talking about the unconscious mind, right? Where, you know, when you're bringing that, that kind of unpacking of, um, of the unconscious mind, um, connecting the story dots to, you know, common cultural and unconscious references and how those may have be like, you know, me, maybe in your own life, the role they're playing in your own life, because there is like consistent imagery, that culture, like what you may have in terms of biases from common or cultural unconscious references that could be affecting you that you don't even know that could be shaping you in ways that may be in reference to the trauma which could be more triggering, or it could also be keeping you really stuck in a box where you feel frustrated, like, yeah, why am I not able to get ahead in my life? Why am I, you know, it's a year later, I'm still where I am. And it, and it really could be because how the unconscious mind is playing out, Absolutely. keeping you in some sort of shadow aspect of it. Yeah. And I really feel like in a lot of ways, what happened in this recent experience, it just kind of just, you can put the spotlight into it into your own life to kind of refer to and take the moments of like, okay, what kind of shadow aspect came up for me? And how is there something that I need to be, you know, clearing and healing? And since it was the new moon for me, I then like want to set the new intentions for. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for you, like, what about, is there any other tips and tools people could have for this part of it that could help? I think, yeah, I think being really aware of when we go into the blame or taking a side right away, I think that's, that can be just a kind of a clue to, oh, I should probably look at this in with different lenses. Um, um, And that's practicing compassion, you know, like something that looks very, um, you know, black and white and that. It isn't always, I mean, I, I always say like life is gray. 
you know, it, it's, it's, it, we live in the, in the gray and, and, this and so is if not- somebody is looking at it as black and white or taking sides, then you're not in the gray. Is that what you'd say? Maybe? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, it's uncomfortable, right? Cause our, our brains naturally want things to, we want to know what's happening. We want to know, we want, we want predictability. We want that. We feel calm when that happens. And the uncertain speaking about what we've been through the last couple of years, I mean, crash course, a long course <laughs> in uncertainty mm-hmm. and, 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 we're all dealing with it in such different ways and all have a different level of tolerance for it. Um, but it has been so uncertain in areas of our lives that we never would have ever expected. So yeah, it's been so difficult, but it could also be, if we can see it with the lenses of it's a gift to just really grow and hopefully come through this with some compassion, understanding that we're all being challenged in different ways, but that, that this doesn't need to be the uh, good guy, bad guy, you know, it doesn't need to be the black and white. This could really be a teaching moment. Hopefully if you make it, if you choose to make it that way. Yeah, and I think I think to that point, it can really give us an opportunity to support healing some some of the bigger aspects in terms of culturally as well as just the collective. Um, with that, I would say then um, I just want to also just give a moment to really honor Venus and Serena Williams, and you know the table was really set for them as a family triumph. Um, they were dressed and seated for the grand occasion on Sunday night, and. Will Smith, who had played their father, Richard, in the movie King Richard, was poised, obviously, to win the Oscar for Best Actor. And this night really would have been a night that affirmed them to their rise to stardom in a different way. Um, And just such an inspiring, inspiring story. But instead, the, you know, that moment with the slap, in some ways, just kind of stole that moment for them. And so I just kind of want to just bring in that aspect, you know, because people have also been talking about, um, you know, diminishment of women, perpetuating stereotypes, gender, patriarchal energy. So I just wanted to bring that in and just get your perspective on it. And how do we move through that? And also, how do we heal as a society, individually and collectively? Yeah, by by hopefully giving more of uh, a light to them, but also acknowledging that there was that, sure, the the masculine energy there, the toxic, whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff. Sure. It, it, we can help balance that more with just putting out more understanding the way that we talk about it and the way that we share our views about it. Um, I think more conversations like that. And even if you're hearing somebody having a really strong reaction and a right or wrong, you know, having compassion for that person. And, and if, you know, asking questions, where is that, what does that, what did that bring up for you to just have it go a little deeper than just the surfaced, um, you know, primal reaction. Um, I think that's a great way of putting it, the primal reaction. And I don't know if this week in some of your sessions with clients, but I did have clients coming in that, you know, it, it triggered that, you know, 
that his wife was incapable of defending herself against words, that some felt that it was patronizing and this paternal attitude that kind of reduced women to this helpless, like damsel needing a big, strong man to defend their honor. Mm -hmm. um, and then also then he was, was he really doing it for his wife or his own need to prove himself that, you know, he might have thought about. And, and if he had a moment of that pause that you're talking about, you know, where you take, instead of reacting, you're in the response and you take that pause, that space, you made it, he may have then, you know, Will Smith may have had a moment then to think about, okay, this attention, then if I, if I do this, it may bring negative attention then and make the spotlight on me instead of really allowing it to be where it needs to be in terms of celebrating some of the women, you know, Venus and Serena, and also in terms of his wife, because it wasn't really defending her and respecting her, mm -hmm. or was it just putting, you know, women kind of in these damsels in distress? So mm -hmm. I had a lot of clients that I had to unpack this with this week and clear some non-beneficial energies from previous relationships that they were in. Yeah, I was going to um, say. Did you also find that for you this week in some of your sessions? Yeah, people, uh, I had clients who, you know, it it, it, it brought up it just really strong opinions on either and different, different opinions. Um, and again, I always like to bring it back to that person, to that person and why. And so I hadn't heard that what you just ex expressed about it, the damsel in distress or had the masculine, you know, him thinking he needs to defend, but that I can absolutely see how people, certain it, people can feel that way um, and be um, affected in, in that way and, and it bring up stuff. So, yeah, I think everyone is, it's, it's unique, you know, to, to how they're reacting and just having that awareness, um, how you're reacting and trying not to get in, in a corner, you know, is, is the goal. Or, you, you said something interesting about how, um, you know, you bring it back to when the client is sharing, you bring it back to a client. Yeah. You bring it back to their own individual um, experience. Yeah. And, yeah. and that is then one of the, one of the tools that you can use. Like if you're talking about something and so say if um, you're talking about an experience and you are really focusing on the other individual, it's about the individual, 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 that's a sign that maybe then there's something there to unpack that you're still in some sort of trauma. And I'll admit like this week, I had some PTSD trauma from watching like, yeah. I, that definitely brought back to me. Cause even when I was describing and I was like, I still have compassion for the whole experience I went through, but I was like, wow, I still have something to unpack there because the Academy Awards triggered. Yeah. And, and so, cause I'm not as, I'm not as something else came up that I'm not as neutral now in my right. compassion. Right. And right. so that would be a sign one that it, how you're talking about it, if you're yeah. in, blaming the other person, then, then you're caught in perhaps some sort of trigger or trauma. Um, yeah, because it's, it all is coming from our own experience, right? But a lot of, but sometimes we um, hijack our own healing by focusing on, on the other person all the time. And um, not that that's not necessary to be able to, to, to talk about it and process it, but, but eventually to be able to look at yourself and look, why, why am I having this, this strong reaction? And where is this, where is this coming from? And, um, 
I think that that will be something that if people find themselves really focused, um, there's different reasons too why we do that. We focus on other people because a lot of times we don't want to look at ourselves. You know, we either don't want to and we're not aware of it, um, it, it or not comfortable with it. You know, um, uh, but it it it's always. Um, I have found that it's always less scary once you do it, you know, once you look at it and obviously you feel better too. healing. It's healing. Once you've come to the completion of it, I just feel so much lighter. And and then you might, you you'll, the incident isn't forgotten, but the pain I have found has been healed. So I'm no longer in the pain, Mm -hmm. which makes a tremendous difference to the quality of my own life. Yeah. And that, that's the goal is to, to get yourself to a place where you're not feeling like when you talk about it, that you're feeling it again, which is what you were experiencing. And I would maybe connecting the dots with you. uh, Well, I could speak for myself. um, I found myself going into disassociation when Will was screaming at Chris you too. Yeah. Me too. I did too. That's when I was, it was, it felt, um, out of body. And it so felt, it actually felt dangerous to me. That's how I felt. I felt yeah. like I'm not safe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it had nothing to do with Will Smith had nothing no. really had to do with my previous experience. You were, you were on your couch at home, not in any harm. <laughs> I was no, I was not in any harm. I was on my couch, sitting next to my twelve-pound dog, yeah, yeah. sleeping quietly by my side. Yeah, yeah, but everything in your body felt like it was in danger. I felt really exposed, raw, and in danger. Yeah, and yeah. It, it felt like I was like, yeah, I was in the wilderness, and the lion <laughs> was chasing me, and I was running for my life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it had nothing to do, and you you get transported there. Yeah, and so it's not even about the experience you're watching. It's like you're immediately in that transportation of that moment of just that real dire fear. Yeah. Flight freeze kind of moment of survival. So some tools that I would suggest in, in, so like if you were, if, when it happens again, right. Cause it's going to happen again. It, it, um, uh, to be able to use grounding tools in that moment. Right. So to get back into your body. So, you're sitting on the couch, you're feeling yourself doing this, then, you know, start with the breath and then do a grounding meditation or something visualization where you get back into your body. Cause it, it's not, you can't start processing and digging in right away when it just happens. There's no, we need to actually, it, there's steps, you know, so, but, but so the first step would be the grounding, grounding meditation. What would be the next steps? Things that make you calling a friend, like it's kind of, if you need to process it, well, did you just see that getting, getting confirmation? Did that really just happen? You know, was that, you know, really like talking about it, talking, definitely processing it does help as long as you can be conscious and aware of where you're going with it, you know? So and I would say the people that you're, I always recommend to my clients if you're you're processing something with someone make sure it's a it's a friend that isn't going to hold on to the imprint but you're actually able to process in like a sacred space Mm. because you sometimes just need to let it out to hear it 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then also just, you know, all the, all the things that uh, you've already heard, you know, if you need to go exercise, if, you know, moving your body and, and getting the, those endorphins, all those things that kind of can help get you back into a safe place and, and a grounding place. And then if you notice that it's still affecting you, you know, uh, then that's, yeah, for sure. Either if you can get the support of a professional or if, if you can just have that awareness of, okay, this is when I'm tearing up. This is when I'm still having a reaction, like it's affecting me and just kind of really digging into that and seeing where that is, where, what comes up when you trace back in your life, what other times did you feel that way? And maybe there are things that have been not completely processed. So then, all right, just to break it down. So, and that's some of the things that I did this week too, is I, I did energy healing with grounding. That was the first thing is like, where mm-hmm. am I? Cause I, for me, gaslighting energy came up. I was yeah. like, what the heck is happening? What is real? And I felt like I was in a washer going upside down and yeah. being thrown around every which way. And so yeah. number one was the grounding, becoming regrounded and then doing energy healing to clear the dense energies. Number two was the processing, which, mm-hmm. you know, I called you to, we had that conversation, a processing conversation. So yeah. finding somebody who's helpful that mm-hmm. they're, that they're going to support you in not becoming divisive. And not, or not even igniting it even more. You don't want to get, um, and if you notice that's happening, that's just, again, just be aware of it and, and, and choosing differently. But if it's going to be something that's putting more, you know, flames on the, on this, that's not going to be very helpful. And if you find yourself in more heightened emotions, like if the heightened emotions are happening more so, which then it means that the trigger might be happening in, in it. Yeah. And, and, or, um, having heated arguments where you're, you're actually processing it with someone who feels completely different and you're not able to really have this, uh, a different, um, lens and, and compassion with, and it becomes a fight, you know, that's not going to be helpful either. So just being aware of all that, that that's just going to add to it, you know, not, it's not going to help you. And I would say too, there's some of the things like there are some amazing, uh, if you're not able to work with a, um, you know, a health practitioner, Mm-hmm. So there are some amazing 12-step programs um, that can really help. Codependence Anonymous is actually a really helpful, I found in the past, really helpful program that mm-hmm. has some great tools to support people. Yeah. And also on my podcast, I do have um, meditations that can help you. But there are so many resources, and I think that's just where we just want to encourage people to get the resources they need and um, is there any other questions that people can ask them like after trauma that can support them in knowing? I know one of the things that um, somebody said to me years ago, like, you know, are you noticing symptoms of reliving the traumatic event? That mm-hmm. that was actually helpful to me. And also, are you having any kind of nightmares about the events? Yeah. Is there anything else that could be helpful in terms of questions for people to ask? Yeah, to ask and to if you're trying to figure out if you've experienced trauma asking them like asking themselves yeah like if you're all of a sudden uh, more maybe more heightened in certain situations and you don't know why if a lot of times our frustration tolerance gets a lot shorter our fuse gets shorter um yes of course the, the flashbacks is is um something that people can experience you can be um you can 
even, I mean, there's so many things. It just depends on, on what it is, but if all of a sudden your, your focus, a lot of times some people's focus gets really um, off the rails. Like they're not able to focus even on a conversation. Their mind just goes to other places. And if there, those things are coming up. What about hypervigilance when you're just focused on one thing and you can't, you can't do anything else. Yeah. then that's a, that's, that's a very common one too. And that's a real trying to, you know, keep yourself safe at all costs. And that's exhausting. Um, and, you know, lead again, leads to so many other um, negative effects on your body and your, 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 your functioning. So um, yeah, the dreams um, sometimes, and, and also if you're noticing yourself dis- disconnected or disassociating where, you know, we all do it to a certain extent. Um, but if you're noticing it more and more like, and, and forgetting certain things, those also can be signs. What about if somebody's having a hard time falling asleep? Yeah, that's a sign too. Absolutely, can't turn your brain off. That would be more probably under the hypervigilance, just that a constant anxiety and not being able to turn off that that humming, you know, or whatever or that that feeling of it's anxiety for sure. And yeah. so, um, and and so, some other things are just. Um, that I've also just seen in some of my uh, my experience of doing some energy healing work is that sometimes people will say like, um, uh, or we, we'll talk about the behaving or the feeling as if the event were actually happening all over again because they're caught in it, right? The yeah, the looping. And and so that's why, of course, when I said uh, talking about it is, is definitely positive, but if you find yourself just talking about it over and over and over again and you're not feeling better, that's a sign that you're not, you're probably experiencing some PTSD from it because it's not, it's not processing. And that's why you need to get some, some help from a, a professional that can help you process that. Um, yeah. And so if you're having the same conversation over and over again with your friend, with your same friends too, over and over and over again. And not feeling any better. And you send you or feel the symptoms are still the same tired or exhausted, or you kind of have that negative energy headache. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's like a sign. Yeah. And then um, what about if you're you're sharing, um, you know, because it is common to like share, oh, this happened to me. And mm-hmm. if you're having emotional feelings still, as you are reminded of the event that that oh, non beneficial emotions, I'll say in some ways, um, that would be then um, a sign that you may not have processed the event. And that, that all depends on how long after the event. Okay. You know? And obviously um, you can still have emotions about something, recalling something that's awful that's happened to you. But if you feel that, if the difference is feeling like you're actually almost paralyzed by it when you're talking about it or reliving it, you know, and it's not separate from you. And you want to get to a point where it's actually something that did happen, um, but it's past. And um, you can absolutely, though, still have sad feelings, but it's not like you're actually viscerally being. It's not like you're being hijacked by them, which is what yeah. you were saying before. Yeah. If yeah. you feel like you're still being hijacked or you're still living in that anger. Yeah. Because you can still be sad, but if you're living in anger, anger is a more difficult emotion to be in. Yeah. Um, so then what about like physical sensations that somebody could be in reminded of the event, like if their heart is racing, um, like mm-hmm. sweating or it's finding hard to breathe. 
Um, I know for me, I was taking like deep breaths, like, and yeah. what is all that? Is that anxiety? Is that... Well, all of it, you know, trauma lives in our, in, in our body, you know, so it's, it's, um, and, and we all kind of experience <coughs> things in different parts of our body. So, and so that, that is also something to really, some um, really could start to kind of aware of too, is just kind of checking in with yourself when you're being, when you're noticing that you're in a moment of experiencing something really difficult. What, how does your body feel in that moment? Where are you holding anything? Where is there different sensations um, uh, that aren't n- typical for you to have, you know, and just those can also be signs and, and just, again, bringing more consciousness to yourself and your reactions. Uh, oh, wow. I'm cl- clenching my hands. This is bigger than I than I thought maybe, you know, or this is something that's maybe affecting me that I need to look at a little bit more or I'm clinching my, my, but it, you have to have that awareness, you know, so you have to start practicing that. So doing the body scans, you know, checking in with yourself. Um, so after you would ground yourself in that moment, then I would recommend just kind of doing a body scan and kind of just checking in with your body and seeing how maybe there was a shift and you're feeling better. And you can say, oh, my stomach doesn't feel like this anymore, but that's, you know, wow, it really was tight before. And, and, it, and there, it's, it's a roadmap to help you, you know, he, heal from it and move through it. And then another, what about avoiding? If people are avoiding um, thoughts, conversations, feelings, or avoiding people, places, or activities, is that another sign? That can be absolutely, absolutely yes. And that's what a lot of people do and it works temporarily, but it is, it, it, um, so it's almost, that's a a tricky one. And I have a lot of clients that it makes sense if you can avoid, but typically you can't avoid all these situations all the time. And, um, so, and and that can be scary for people that are trying to avoid something because they don't want to, you know, go past a certain place because that's where something happened. I would say when the person is feeling, um, you know, is in a better place that then they should definitely look at that. So you want to make sure that the person has support and, and resources in order to be able to process. So speaking event. of support and resources, would you be able to take us through a small, short grounding meditation? Sure. <laughs> yeah. We're giving some resources for people. <laughs> Absolutely. One that I do uh, common is, um, again, you just start start with the breath. So I like to, um, I work with a lot of kids, but not that this can't work for adults. I love to put, um, colors. So if you can just imagine like the oxygen that you're breathing in through your nose, if you so want to invite everybody to get a meditations position. Sure. You can be seated or lying down, whatever you feel comfortable. And, um, again, just starting with inhaling through your nose and filling up your lungs all the way to your belly. And then just exhaling slowly through your mouth. And again, you can put a color to the oxygen as you're inhaling through your nose and imagining going in your nose down, filling up your lungs down into your belly. So you get that real deep breath and then a slow exhale. And as you're exhaling, you're releasing any tension or negativity 
anything that's not serving you. You can imagine just inhaling the life force, love, all the positive things that are there for you as you're inhaling that oxygen. Then just bring your awareness to how your body feels now. If you're sitting, lying down, just the, the weight of your body, your feet are on the floor, what your feet feel like. And then a real simple grounding visualization that I love is just imagining you're a tree and your body is the trunk of that tree and it's solid and grounded in the earth and the roots go out from your feet and they're in the earth and things might come and your leaves might blow, but you're solid. And just allow yourself to really feel that. And then just focus back on your breath. And then bringing yourself back into the room, the sounds that you hear. Yeah. I like to do quick ones because sometimes we have to do quick ones when things are happening. I like to, you know, and the more you do it, the easier you can get to that place. Go from shifting from feeling out of body to being back in your body. That was great. Thank you so much. I feel much grounded, which is great. Um, so this is something that, you know, I, I encourage all of you to listen to again and again in terms of this meditation to support yourselves. And then Stephanie, is there any uh, anything else, any other resources that could support people that they could go to? Like, uh, uh, well, again, if you have a professional, I would say definitely do that. Um, and, and I wish there was more centers. <laughs> I wish, um, hopefully there will be more places for people to go, but even if that's just in nature, I really think getting out into nature and, um, just getting out of the rut of, of, of the day is really, can also be really centering and grounding. Great. And then if the people wanted to reach out to you, is there a way that they can connect with you? Yes, you can find me on Psychology Today. Um, and again, I'm just in West LA um, seeing clients pretty busy, but have, um, yeah, if you just Google my name, Stephanie Kinglock. Great. And then is there any mental health resources in terms of like a website that if people want to go on to see about, is there free resources or... There's, you know? there, as far as for trauma, I would probably um, direct people to EMDRIA. Um, it's the uh, EMDR um, official site. I think it's .org, but it's E-M-D-R-I-A, EMDRIA. Um, that would be one. And there is some good resources on there describing trauma and some how to identify it and, and then the help that you can get. 
Great. So we really want to encourage people, if you are triggered or you're having some sort of experience, not only just from the Academy Awards, yet just anything in your life, um, because it has been really challenging with everything we've been going through. So please reach out, whether it is to me or Stephanie or to the um, the emdrie.org site. Um, either that or some other mental health resources. And there's also amazing 12-step um, programs out there that you can just Google and find their free meetings. Please, please, please just, um, you know, make sure that you're supported and know that there are tools out there for you. There is help out there for you. You do not need to move through life alone and you can find the help and the support that could really just make a difference in your life. And thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining us today and much love light to everyone and sending Reiki blessings. Thank you.